0: there, welcome to the Church Podcast here in PR, Washington. We're so glad you found us and hope you enjoy listening to this segment of the week.
1: Good morning. Yeah, I love leading worship and then having like 30 seconds to like run down the hallway and back up here, but that's good, so... All right, we've got our new series going here, The Thriving Life. Excited. I'm really excited today because I'm not speaking, but that's actually not why I'm excited. I'm excited because of who is. Um, my wife's going to be Sharon. Um We have kind of the overview. Last week, I, I talked about The Thriving Life. Uh, this week, Angie... Uh, thriving in the Wilderness, so it's going to be really good. Um, how many of you have ever experienced anything you might call a wilderness in your life? If you haven't, then you haven't been alive too long, because life kind of happens, right? But um, she's going to talk about that. We have several uh, more messages in this series. H- Helen, next week, right after Thanksgiving, don't get too full and sleep in, because Helen's going to be talking about thriving and loss. Then Nikki is going to be talking about thriving in transition. We're going to close it I'm going to be speaking about created to thrive. And then also on that Sunday, uh, December 5th, We'll be unveiling some important plans and and vision for our church. Uh, You really don't want to miss it. I'm really excited. I wish I could tell you all about what we're doing right now, but I can't. Uh, We're kind of uh, ramping up towards that and getting some things prepared. But uh, it's going to be good. I'm telling you, God's got some amazing plans for this church and for for us as a people. So I'm super excited about that. Um, So you won't want to miss that Sunday. All right. Are you done listening to me yet? All right. (laughs) Could you guys uh, just welcome Angie as she comes to minister this morning? Come on. She's not only beautiful, she's smart, and she's anointed. She's amazing. So. Good
0: morning. morning. I am delighted to be here today wrestling with some butterflies, but uh, we'll get over that. (laughs) Um, Today, um, actually just a month ago, um, as we were making plans for this series, um, I heard the Holy Spirit say, tell me what to call my turn to speak. Was thriving in the wilderness. I'm like, okay, I'll call it that. What does that mean? And um, uh, it's just been quite the journey Um, just even in the last month of God bringing together some things. So I'm excited to share those things with you and to basically I'm just going to tell you my story, at least a part of it, who could tell our whole story, right? But um, we're going to start in Luke 4. And um, this is going to be the scripture that talks about Jesus being tested in the wilderness. And just before, um, I don't know chronologically how many days, but really soon before, Jesus, um, he was about 30 years old, and he headed out with a group of folks out to see John the Baptist. And he didn't, Jesus didn't yet have, he hadn't gathered his disciples, he hadn't been out speaking to people and doing miracles yet he was just getting ready he was still in that holding pattern and he uh, scripture tells us he'd been increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with god and men and john two fifty two says when all the people were baptized jesus was also baptized the holy spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice came out of heaven you are my beloved son in you i am well pleased Then immediately says, um, Jesus, full of the Spirit, we're in Luke 4 1 now. um, He left the Jordan where he'd been baptized, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted. Doesn't that sound like quite the adventure? I just, I mean, as I was reading through this, I thought one might expect that right after Jesus' baptism be the perfect time to hit the streets. I mean, it just said he was full of the Spirit. Come on, let's go. Let's do this. You know, remember when he was 12 and he got left behind in Jerusalem by his parents and they're, and you know, they're like, where were you? And it's like, well, didn't you know? I was about my father's business. You know, it sounds like an almost teenager in my house. <laughs> didn't you know, Mom? This is what I was doing. And so Jesus, you know, has been preparing. This is 18 years he's been preparing. He's been waiting. And finally, you know, here's this public acknowledgement. You're my son. I'm well pleased with you. I mean, people watched, you know, some saw the Holy Spirit come down and descend on him like a dove. And many heard the word spoken. And it just seemed like the perfect time to just launch out. Let's go. Let's start a ministry let's go so here's jesus full of the spirit maybe he was rip-roaring ready but then the holy spirit says follow me and into the wilderness they go but they're not alone it's not just jesus and the holy spirit hanging out in the wilderness along comes a tempter and i just <sighs> Uh, In pondering that, I was thinking, what would it be like to have someone there? Now, I don't know if he was there always in bodily form. You know, maybe Jesus was attacked in his mind like we are so often. But the enemy was there mocking and just beating him down. And I'm sure, I mean, he's moving along, going through, and he's Jesus as a man, he's like, okay, well, we're not eating. I got that picture. Here we are in the wilderness, not cooking myself anything. We're just going along. Okay, I can do that. And, um, But don't you think maybe he began to wonder how long? how long are we doing this? You know, I'm not sure he knew when he started. This will be 40 days of testing. How often does God tell you, this is what's coming. This is what it's gonna look like and you're gonna be victorious in the end. But I mean, they just had it out. So can you imagine six weeks, almost six weeks long, they're in this wilderness. He hasn't been eating. I don't know about Jesus, but when I don't eat, I get rather hangry in less than one day. So I just can't imagine. I mean, you can go and I I'm sure there was grace, he was full of the spirit, all of that, but six weeks is still a really long time. To not have food, to not have comfort, you know, of home. What was sleeping like? I don't know. Um, I can't imagine camping <laughs> even, you know, in a tent with a sleeping bag for six weeks. Oh, my. Maybe Anna can imagine. Tyler and Anna love to camp. I don't know what it would have been like camping in the wilderness with Jesus and, you know, the enemy, the devil there, um, persecuting. But sounds like no fun to me. So finally, the 40th day arrives. And I'm like, I wonder. Was Jesus, counting the days, I don't know, did he have a little rock, and was he making tally marks, like, you know, um, one might do, to keep track of the time, but uh, we don't know that, we do know, however, he was starving, hungry, I mean, it talks about, I mean, it mentioned in the word, he was hungry, and I think that's probably an understatement, and so, Here is the precise moment when the devil approaches with his final barrage of attacks. Starts out and he says, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He says, if you are the son of God, he's attacking Jesus' identity. Can you imagine, you know, just wandering. Jesus at this point could not have even known today's the last day (laughs) you get to leave the wilderness today. (laughs) He's just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm starving hungry. And here you are again saying, if you are the son of God, just mocking him. Then the devil says, tell this stone to become bread. He provokes Jesus to rescue himself. Come on, rescue yourself, serve yourself. Come on, you can do this. You could just In a moment's time, you could take care of that pain and suffering. You could save yourself. But Jesus answered, it is written, man, worship the Lord your God. Whoops, I am right. Man shall not live on bread alone. Uh, And then next, the devil of course he doesn't stop there it's not once is not enough the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and he said to jesus i will give you all their authority and splendor it's been given to me and i can give it to anyone i want to if you worship me it will all be yours here he's enticing jesus to betray god just take a shortcut just I mean just this once you know what difference will it make i mean we're out here in the wilderness clearly god has abandoned you you know i mean you're just here with me and um, jesus answered and said it is written worship the lord your god and serve him only finally the third recorded testing of the day Verse 9 says, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. Can you picture it? Jesus is taken. I'm assuming in the spirit. I don't know how they did all these travels from the wilderness. but, um, But he's taken to the most highly honored, most revered place in the entire planet. If you were a Jew, you know, the temple in Jerusalem was it. There was no holier place to be no better place to be and here is where the devil takes his final stab says if you are the son of god again i mean it just strikes me that the enemy just loves to attack us in our identity and you know with jesus and I think it's because all he needs to do is allow us to question. That, I mean, it's like almost a victory if we can get to the point of questioning. I don't know, am I really the son of God? I, I'm not feeling very much like the son of God right now. I'm here, I'm feeling weak, I'm feeling vulnerable. But he goes on and he says, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I mean, to me, it's like the enemy is pulling out all the stops. He's quoting scripture to Jesus, <laughs> saying, Come on, now I know what's written. So here, it's written right here do this, and you won't even get hurt. But Jesus answered, Well, the enemy, back up, uh, was just tempting Jesus, Just quit. Why don't you just quit? give up. It's not going to matter. It doesn't matter. You know, sometimes the enemy can come to us and just say, it doesn't matter. If you, you know, doubt or question, it doesn't matter. You're not going to hurt anything. The angels will save you. And Jesus answered, enough. It said, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Jesus took a firm stand. He stood on his identity. Whether he felt like it or not, he knew it was right. He knew who he was. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. So I was studying, I found it was quite interesting. Every time Jesus responded to the devil, he quoted passages from the book of Deuteronomy. Each of these verses in original in De- Deuteronomy were verses spoken in the wilderness to the children of Israel when they were wandering there. I just thought, ah, how interesting! Made me think, ha! Ah, when I'm going through a season, I bet I could find it in the Bible, and there's probably some helpful words for me right there. But um, verse 14 says, "And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit." was something that happened in the wilderness. Jesus was filled with power. So we read on in Luke, we knew spread of him. He began teaching in the synagogues and healing people and freeing those oppressed by the devil. You know, but first came the wilderness. So today, I want to share with you a few things that I've learned in the wilderness. And i'm not here today to define your wilderness for you or any moments of that i've found wilderness periods to be various in length <laughs> most people at least for me there isn't just one <laughs> so uh, but i do understand um, that um, god works um for his purposes in the wilderness you know sometimes we happen upon the wilderness Um, by chance. No faults of our own. Could be a car accident. Could be a loss of job. Could be someone else's poor choice. Put it there. Could be a betrayal. Maybe it's an extended period of sickness or disease or um, mental illness. Periods of loneliness or just transition in life. I'm telling you, a new baby (laughs) can leave you feeling like you've been in the wilderness. Um, it just is a significant transition, and we can feel lost at times. But I, one of the things I've learned is that God can work his purposes there in the wilderness, and he can bring teaching and training to us, and he can expose faulty thinking, you know, and sometimes we just don't have it all figured out. (laughs) We don't know all the truth that God has, any of us. So uh, the wilderness is a great place for that. But I also learned that the wilderness is not a destination. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's rather a season. It's part of the journey. You kind of wander through, but that is not. None of us are destined for the wilderness. You were not born to live out your days in the wilderness. Not His plan. So I also learned that deep roots can grow in the wilderness, like hope and trust. It's a great place to grow independence and closeness to Jesus. Was listening yesterday and preparing some notes, and I heard. Um, actually, I saw the lyrics today in one of the songs. Um, Your love is turning my fears into faith. And I'm like, I love that. God does that for us in the wilderness. You know, we go in with fears, and His love just melts them. And you're like, I'm not afraid of that. I have hope. I have faith now. Miracles can happen there in the wilderness. In the wilderness, we have the opportunity to learn who God is. We get to learn about His nature, his compassion, his goodness, his faithfulness, and how He can bring good out of anything. He's that amazing. He truly is. And in the wilderness, we learn who we who He says we are. We're His beloved, his deeply loved children in whom He is well pleased. It's true. We're his sons and daughters, his pride and joy. And we are filled with his spirit and his power. We're empowered to know his love in every fiber of our being so that we can bring that love to others around us. So I'm going to give you a little history about me. Here's my application to my uh, kind of... the. revealing but i was born and raised um in a small town in eastern washington right in the middle of the state 14 miles from the canadian border the oldest of five and my father was an apple orchardist, and he worked hard, he loved the land, and he lived the dreams of his childhood. He grew up in the city, which the population of our town was 1,000, so that was the city he grew up in, and he always wanted to live in the country, so, <laughs> so I grew up in the country, you know, with a 20-minute drive into town, um, into school and anything else, but <clears throat> it wasn't an easy living, but it was a really good one. He, Um, my dad worked hard very hard and he loved very well not maybe with words too much but um, with service and with provision and all those things I met John uh, when I was 15 we started dating when I was 16 and we got married at 19 so That was just a short 27 and a half years ago. So So my teenage dreams uh, consisted of being a mom. I wanted to be a mom. And um, a teacher, maybe. If I had to pick a career, that's what it would have been. And maybe marrying a pastor. I thought that would be kind of cool, too. I like Jesus a lot, and I just thought, hey, that would be fun to, to love on other people. I love the church. So um, after graduating high school, um, I moved to Seattle. That was a bit of a culture shock from you know this little itsy bitsy town. But we moved to North Seattle. Um, John had been over here at SPU. I'm a year behind him in school. And so then we moved, I moved over and worked, and then we ended up getting married up in North Seattle in 1990. So we um, have some dear friends here today that were there at our wedding. So that's, I think, Brian and Farah, I think you're the lone uh, people who hold that title. Been with us since newest before we were married. But... um, on our honeymoon, God spoke to us and asked us um, if we would let him be the Lord of our family size. And we made a decision then to trust him and to not seek to control the number or timing of any pregnancies. So um, we have 11 children, 12 children actually. But um, uh, three years later, um, was 1993, and we had three children at this time. And we kind of encountered our first um, rocky wilderness time. Maybe um, the church we'd been attending for four years closed, and that was the church we got married in, the church we started, you know, our family in, and we were close to pastors and leaders there. And all of a sudden, things were falling apart, and I wasn't our fault. (laughs) It just happened. And so, you know, we were just like, now what do we do? So it was like this first time where we, you know, we're really unsure. What do we do, God? Where do we go? And through a series of events, um, we moved down here to Puyallup at that time. So we've been here 24 years. And um, it um, was glorious to be here, to have a body um, that love Jesus like we love Jesus, and that, but it was difficult. We moved and we joined the group, and we were new, you know, and we didn't know anybody very well. And we had three small kids, and people would say, Well, you can come over if you don't bring your kids. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know anybody that I would trust to watch my kids. So either one of us goes or we don't go. And, you know, just difficult things like that, that were just kind of not easy so we're down here and it took a while um we spent too many nights sitting at home on the couch we had no tv so we just stared at the wall saying life sucks and you know bemoaning our condition and you know licking our wounds and saying wow this is no fun but welcome to adulting, I guess. But life continued on for us, and um, lots of happy moments, and some challenging times, too. Um, in 1998, we have been married eight years, but um, we found out we were expecting our sixth child. So three boys and soon to be three girls, and we were totally thrilled. And um, then John lost his job. <laughs> And then our baby was born a month early. And she seemed to be having significant trouble adjusting to life outside the womb. This is our daughter, Liberty. She, um, her first six months of life um, were filled with nearly constant crying. She, um, didn't sleep more than two hours together at a time. That's... the first extended period and i honestly don't know how i got through that i mean god's grace because i mean i've got five other kids <laughs> to take care of and uh, you know life was just a fog but um god is very faithful and he got us through and by that time we had much more um, stronger connections with um, people in the church and felt loved and supported but still it was our journey to walk with our daughter um, who turns out has a genetic um, condition called uh, Williams Syndrome, so Liberty most all of you, even if today is your first Sunday, you have probably already met our daughter Liberty. She loves nothing more than meeting new people, but she's 19 now and kind of functions about, eh, we're still doing second grade work and that. She has very much the teen attitude and, you know, this is what I think, Mom, but um, she is our delight and our love and has taught us a lot about the grace of God. But now I want to fast forward to 2007. John had um, stepped into serving as a youth pastor here at CityGate. God had spoken to him in October of 2006. Um, at a conference said he had taken the youth to, to light himself on fire. Just light yourself on fire, and the youth they will come to watch you burn. They will gather, and um, that next year, 2007, was just a set apart year. I mean, we just heard the call of God, the year of the Nazarites, and there were so many things. So I was. John was youth pastoring, but I'm, I'm a heavy-duty sister. <laughs> it's my gifting as helps and serving. So I was um, along with him in all those plans. In the midst of the season, we discovered we were expecting our 11th child. So it was quite a significant and monumental year. <sighs> but the day was Sunday, November 18th, yesterday, 10 years ago. John had awakened early in the morning with a new song that was quickly being composed in his mind. The words and melody just seemed to flow. Pastor Tim called the house that morning and said he was feeling inspired about some things and he wanted to do worship at the end of the service rather than at the beginning, which is kind of different. God gave him a song. I just want to read the words to this song, then I'll tell my story, but I want to get the words through. Um, It's called My Rock. You are the rock, the rock of my salvation. You are the strength on which I stand. You are my hope in every situation. You are my rock on you all stand. When darkness comes for me, I will not be afraid, though certain death stands in my way. I call upon your name. You alone deserve my praise. I know that in you, I am saved. Your voice thunders from the heavens. At the blast of your breath, my troubles flee. You pull me out of raging waters. You lift me up, and I am free. That day 10 years ago marked a turning point for me. I entered a wilderness time. So i wasn't aware till the next day this was sunday i found out on monday exactly 10 years ago from today that um our little baby girl in my womb wouldn't be coming home with me from the hospital her spirit had left my womb and already entered heaven i was 32 weeks along just entering my eighth month The next day I was induced and Elena Elizabeth Roberts was born shortly before midnight. She was beautiful. She looks so much like her brothers and sisters. The true knot in her lengthy cord displayed the cause of her early passing. It was such a difficult night to go through. We went through labor and delivery, but there was no prize to take home. To leave our little girl at the birth center that night was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. So I didn't know it at that time, but I had just crossed a threshold into a season of wilderness. And much of the next year, my life was just a blur. I was dealing with my own pain and trying to help my kids deal with theirs. made it the year memorable only by its numbness. The same day um, we learned of our daughter's passing, John and I sat on the edge of our bed in our bedroom. We said, Lord, we commit. This will make us better, not bitter. We were determined to not let this situation cause us to turn our backs on God. And we came out of the bedroom, gathered our kids, and worshiped God as a family guess I expected that things would be challenging for a while. After the first year, I thought, well, things will finally be getting back to normal soon. Not so. The opportunities for disappointment didn't seem to slow. Things all around me seemed to be swirling out of control. I began battling fear and anxiety frequently. Depression once again became a nearly constant struggle. If I could have figured out a way to quit my life without hurting my family, I certainly would have struggled to know who I was. I just felt numb. I didn't know how to go on, and I didn't want to. For unknown reasons, I just felt like a failure. I had failed my unborn child, failed to save her, didn't care from God, surely, I mean... 32-week-old babies survive every day outside the womb. This, you know, um, seemed, you know, the lies of the enemy, you know, seemed my fault. And I was a very short-tempered, impatient mother at home with my other children. So I felt like I was failing them as well. What had happened, I wasn't sure. How could I continue like this? this? Life was hard all the time, it felt like. The years continued on, but inside, somehow I had begun to believe a lie. God might be good, but life is really, really hard. Maybe this is all there is. So here's where I unknowingly encountered purpose, God's purpose in the wilderness. Faulty thinking in my foundation was being exposed. But somehow the temptation arises to let our circumstances or experiences dictate how we perceive God. It can be challenging to walk through the times that don't make sense and be unwilling to betray God and His goodness, even when life doesn't feel good. One thing I've been convinced of, though, is there's so much grace, so much. God's grace for process seems endless, endless without end. People's grace, maybe not always so much, but that's why it's wonderful to know people who love like Jesus. They really do exist. Many of them are here today. (laughs) Many have learned to trust Jesus for others' processing time even when we might feel like the wilderness is our lot in life our final destination the truth is it's only part of the journey it's only a passing season god has spoken early on in my processing probably 2008 uh, through a visiting minister some of you know susie brock that god was asking me to trust him and by god's grace that truth went deep really deep into my heart. Many times in the next several years, the Holy Spirit would remind me of this. Trusting Him even when bad things happened was becoming my new pattern. Hard things happened with my kids, or when my dad passed away 20 years too soon. When friends left the church, I began to make a conscious choice to trust God. I still often felt times of numbness or emotional distance from God, but I stopped worrying about it. I let my numbness be his problem. I just, I can't fix it. I, you know, I, (laughs) if anyone knows how to fix numbness, please let me know. I'm sure we could market that really good, but I could not figure out how to fix that. And um, so deep roots began to grow in my life out of just that choosing, God, I trust you. I don't i can't figure it out but i do trust you so hope and trust were beginning to grow then three years ago november 2014 john and i go got to go out to the proctor's barn for a prophetic appointment it was really fun it was a family mom and dad and four kids from canada um, who had come and they were prophesying over us together for like 15 minutes and it was just a unique experience. He's, I think probably the youngest was five. Oldest was um, mid-teens. And they were just speaking words over us and just different things that still delight my heart. And, but the last word spoken was by the Father. And he said he heard God say, there had been seven years of famine, but the next seven years would be years of blessing. He saw the story of Joseph, but he saw it um, twisted or reversed for us. And it was deeply impactful. I began sobbing because it was almost seven years to the day that our little girl had passed. And I'm like, the famine, it's over, it's ending. Glory to God. So we drove away. No joke, the words came out of my mouth. Thank you, God, we're not going to die in the wilderness. And that was the first time I'd ever said those words. I mean, the way I'm telling this story, I'm telling you like I knew I was in the wilderness for those seven years. I had no clue. God showed me in the last month where I've been. So all of this is that 2020 hindsight. So he's putting it together. I did not know, but I said those words out loud and I'm like, oh, that's what it was. I didn't know. Hooray. Now I know something I didn't know before. So... It had been seven years of wandering and wondering, is this all there is? I mean, maybe this is all there is to life. But for me, there was a significant shift at that time in my beliefs. I began to hope again. I'm like, I don't think this is all there is. I really don't. And I began to let God love me without me retreating, you know, at the first sign of trouble. It's like He would love and something would happen. I'm like, oh, I need to step back. I thought you were going to love me, you know, like protect me from any bad thing ever happening, that kind of love. Um, His love's a little different than that, Um, but I was learning who God really is. He loves me through things. He's with me. I also then began to let him speak his identity over me, choosing to trust what he said, even if it didn't match my current feelings or my circumstances. When he called me a favored daughter, I quit arguing. Most of this was actually a decision, by his grace, to believe him. It didn't feel comfortable. It didn't feel true. But I'm like, God, I'm beginning to think, I just don't know very much. I thought I knew more than I did. I'm finding out I know less and less than I do. So I'm just going to give up here and let you speak. So I remember being in a worship service with a group of Global Legacy leaders. Um, and Michael and Penny Proctor, many of you know them, they were leading worship. They were singing the song that probably all of you are familiar with, Good, Good Father. And I'm in worship. I just took a risk and I just told God right there, I don't feel like you're my good, good father. I don't feel it. I was so tired of pretending, you know, that everything was okay. And He just answered me and He said, I know. And at that moment, I kid you not, there was no judgment from him. And I just felt almost his pleasure at me finally saying, admitting it. It's like, you don't think I'm good. And I said it, you know, and I don't know what I was expecting from him. I certainly was not expecting him to say, I know. And just the love I felt in that moment. I'm like, okay. So you're good with honesty, huh? I'll try this. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh... There had been very many honest moments, you know. I'm not one to hold back my tongue too often with God. But just in the sweetness of His presence, it was something for me to admit, this isn't how I feel. It's one thing for me to tell God when I'm totally angry and ticked at you. I'm really angry and ticked at you. You know, you're not doing things, you know. And anyway, it was just a different and a unique experience. But it was months later when I realized... I felt inside and out that he was indeed my good, good father. I mean, just time, I, I never revisited that. But it was months later, I'm like, oh my goodness. That's not what I think anymore. God had changed me. And it was beautiful. So in the last three years, um, I've been learning how to thrive in the wilderness, not being a victim of my circumstance or my season. And I'm just convinced that no matter what the future holds, I'm going to be found hoping and trusting in Him. And, you know, God just really more recently, even than that, um, God's been giving me some new tools and taught me how to strengthen myself um, in the Bible, in the Logos word. And just by being intentional and consistent in the word, and then asking the Holy Spirit to highlight things to me, it's like I would just open my Bible. I started. I have a very strong random streak. That's probably what makes me successful managing all these kids. We just go with it, whatever it is. But um, I would open the Bible to anywhere in the middle, or anywhere, could be the front, middle, or back. Very random, and it's almost like, okay God, speak to me from this. This is what I need. Your God, you can do this. You know, it sounds arrogant. It probably is. But at the time, it's like, I just need you to meet me. And I don't have time to figure out the right plan to do, you know, to where to start. And I'm just like, I'm hungry, God. I need you. And he would meet me again and again and again and again. So I just have um, been so encouraged. God is so faithful and so loving and so consistent. I tell you, his track record is really amazing. <laughs> But he also showed me um, these last few years how to encourage myself with his rhema word, the word um, prophetic word that he had spoken, or specific scriptures. If I had them, I mean, I encourage you, if you get words, if you want a word today, I want to give you a word, so please see me after. But um, just a word to record them. I mean, we have these lovely smartphones these days. Record these words and play them back. I mean, some of these words I have listened to a 100 times at least. Some of them are long, and I've listened to them a 100 times. But when you are desperate for encouragement, and you need it multiple times throughout the day to get through, It's a really good resource to have. So, also, um, God's been teaching me to take authority over lies and to declare His truth instead. And um, regularly declaring His truth has had a powerful impact on my mind and my beliefs. And I think I... I remember how many years ago started kind of randomly doing it and it was someone else's declarations i'm like you know sounds like a good thing i could probably do this and um the first one is my prayers are powerful and effective and you just get going through and all of a sudden one day i woke up i'm like i actually believe that holy cow my prayers really are powerful and effective i'm just telling you i mean if we can walk through a room and hear a commercial on the tv and know how the rest of the commercial goes you know our minds can be impressed with things that are even more helpful than that (laughs) i don't like commercials myself but um, i do like the word of god and i like having (laughs) truths ring in my mind i love to finish my own thought in that my prayers are powerful and effective but there are many more tools that i'm sure will be added in the days ahead but today i believe i'm stepping into a new season i believe that there are others stepping into new seasons here. But the truth remains, whether your season is shifting now or not, you can still have victory. You can still thrive right here and right now.